Epic Turn is a podcast about the hobby gaming industry, what we love or hate about it, how it's evolving and changing, and other things that as gamers we're passionate about. Your hosts are Brian McLemore, that's me, and Tim Aldridge. Welcome as we take our next Epic Turn. Well, I guess today's episode is going to be like a hodgepodge of a couple things. I know we're going to do a little bit of a review of Gravwell, Mm -hmm. but I believe you said you had some follow-up to Gen Con. Yeah, yeah. So as everyone who has been listening to us at all for the last mm, five episodes knows, we spent a week at Gen Con, and it was a hell of a lot of fun, but you should go listen to those if you want to know any more about all that. But shortly after Gen Con, they announced their uh, attendee numbers. So in 2012, they broke their previous attendance record by, um, I don't know how many percent, but it was a substantial number. And th- But they had 41,000 that year. This year, they grew at another 20% to 49,000. And that means that over the last five years, they've actually grown 75% total. That's amazing. Yeah. So I, I really have to kind of wonder what kind of, you know, canary in the coal mine this is for our industry as a whole. You know, I mean, it's definitely shows that it's growing. We are seeing more gamers or at least more gamers that are able to able and wanting to make trips like this. Um, you know, you have people that it's their first year and you have people that's their 25th year there. Mm-hmm. And, and then I really uh, it makes me excited, I guess, to see how it's going to continue to grow. I mean, at almost 50,000 people, you know, how much more. How many more people can they support uh, in that space? You know, there's all these logistics questions, but they do a great job making it feel where it's not crowded. And I don't know. I had a lot of fun, but uh, I don't know. I'm just excited that they continue to grow it and think it's a good sign for everything. I think eventually they're just going to take over all of Indianapolis. Like Gen Con is, you know, because it's spread out between all the hotels and there are multiple different venues you can go to to mm-hmm. play your games. I think it's just going to keep growing and growing and growing to the point where even the convention center is probably going to go, yeah, I don't know where else we can put you guys. All the hotels are probably going to, you know, put their hands in the air. Eventually, like I said, it's just going to take over all down, all of downtown, which I think that's a great, a a good thing, a great thing, actually. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, it's great. You know, uh, they talked about the economic impact of Gen Con on, Mm -hmm. uh, on, on, on this year. And uh, it's, they, they actually impacted $47 million in that city is the estimated economic impact. What? That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they said that that figure has only been surpassed by the 2012 Super Bowl. Wow. So uh, I'm a little speechless. Yeah. So speechless. when your casual hobby gaming thing becomes a convention that can that can rival a major sporting event like the Super Bowl uh, from an economics standpoint, I think I think that's a pretty good indication that, you know, uh, stuff's getting real. Yay, the industry's growing. Yay. <laughs> That's all about it. That's all I really got for Gen Con. You know, if you want to know more about what we did or what we saw, just go listen to the last five episodes. Is it five? Uh, yes. Yes, it is five. <laughs> <laughs> I just forgot how many episodes we produced in, you know, so many days. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, no, I mean, and speaking of which, this is our 10th episode. Yay. I never thought we'd make it this far. Oh, that's a lie. We we have already planned out the next thirty episodes. So I yeah, mean, but we did we, that like yesterday. <laughs> so <laughs> no, we actually. I, I I'm actually really happy that we've hit ten. Mm-hmm. It, what's What's kind of funny is people might say it's not a true ten because we recorded. You know, we did the five days of Gen Con. No, it, it's it's a but, fair statement. You know, we did yeah. put out uh, nine episodes in just over a month, like thirty five days or so. 
but it was a total of almost 10 hours, just shy or right over 10 hours of uh, audio we published in those in those uh, first five weeks. Yep. So, yay, we made yay, it. We made it to 10. And yeah. we're here's to another, you know, 40, please. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Before we know it, we're going to turn around and say, well, it's uh, either it's been six months since we posted or we're, hey, we're at the six month mark. Uh, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm waiting for the day where we can say, you know, hey, we're at our 100th episode. Mm-hmm. It's been quite a ride. And yeah. hopefully the, you know, we'll be right around a good Gen Con time so we can have a massive celebration or something. I will have a massive celebration. doesn't matter where, what, what falls in here. <laughs> this is also true. Yes. It, yes. We might be the only one celebrating, though. Yeah, but, you know, that and makes our, it all the more epic as far as budget. That's true. And yeah. the two listeners we have. Yes. You know, I think, no, no, numbers are in. There's at least seven. Oh, there's seven now. Seven. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess we're, we're, we're going off on a huge tangent. We need to bring it back into uh, <laughs> to our main topic. Or actually, before we do that, I have also some follow-up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made a uh, Twitter post about this, I think, last well, last week. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, I bought both – I bought High Command at Gen Con. Yeah. And I bought both the War Machine side and the Horde side. And I discovered something completely epic about High Command. Now, besides that, it's a great game. I discovered something very epic about Privateer Press and their ability to design board games. Hmm. Well, specifically, <laughs> specifically the board game box. So one of the biggest complaints I always have with uh, from my side, which, by the way, not many people have this problem. I don't think I, I, I think I'm the only one with this kind of OCD level is I like sleeving everything. And most board game boxes just don't don't you can't fit uh, sleeved cards in them. Mm-hmm. Either they're not organized to do that, or if they are, the plastic is too constrained. You're, the cards are too constrained while they're in the sleeve, so you bend either you'll bend a card or you'll bend the corners, and it just ruins. To for me, it ruins the board game. So usually, you know, I end up ripping the plastic out and just putting all the cards in there and having, or I find a way to make separators and organize my stuff. Or well, even just go and get one of those, you know, 95 cent card boxes from the game shop. Yeah, I've had to do that for a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, like Cards Against Humanity. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I had to do that and I don't even have sleeves on mine. You know, yeah, exactly. I, I so, really think they, they, they take something away from the game by not making those boxes able to handle it. Um, you know, I know for me it makes, me, make it, makes it less likely that I'm going to sleeve a game. And on top of that, like, I don't want to go and put it in just some random white box because then I lose all that cool artwork or, you know. Yeah. And then you have to worry about where you get the instruction manual mm-hmm. put in. Yeah. It's, it's a huge, it's a huge issue. Uh, so, you know, what I was trying to get us, you know, usually have to modify plastic and whatnot, but prior to your press is high command. That box is designed to have sleeve cards. Ooh. It is. It literally is designed to do that. And it's amazing. <laughs> like I have everything dragon sleeved. I have, you know, uh, everything done by colors for factions and I was really surprised it fit right in the box. It was gorgeous. I took a picture. I put it up actually on Privateer Press's uh, Twitter feed because I'm like, guys, this is absolutely the most epic thing you could have done. <laughs> Finally, someone <laughs> has made a board game box that will take sleeve cards. So well, I, really I know it's not the first time in the last couple of years we've like, why don't they make it for these? Yeah. Why isn't this accounted for? And finally, somebody did it. So that makes me very excited. Yes, thank you, Privateer Press. I no longer have to cut my fingers with exacto knives. <laughs> <laughs> no more than you do for the the hobby of it all. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, I, I really think it would be something that a lot of people should take into account. You know, we've talked to a couple of game designers now. We've talked to Privateer Press. We talked to these other people, and so many times when they're when we're unboxing the uh, the games, 
they don't seem like they ever take into account the after you crack it storage of it all. Um, so many games are just like there's this hole in the middle of the box and everything just kind of flops in there and it's just, there's nothing, you know, nothing, no kind of organization, no sense of anything. Uh, and unfortunately, that falls even for other um, other pl- privateer games. You know, they they uh, obviously took a lot of care with high command, but level seven escape, you know, it's just a giant trough in the middle of it, and there's really no nothing to do except stack it and hope it kind of stays. Well, I think that'd be really hard for high command, not high command us, level seven, just because you have a lot of pieces, a lot of cardboard. I mean, you know, what we do in those cases is we go out to like Joanne Fabrics or Michaels and we buy little plastic containers and we put them with the board game. Mm-hmm. Not ideal, but at least it keeps it organized. Yeah. You know, I just think it would be absolutely amazing if somebody would take the time and, you know, it didn't even have to be like really high quality, but put, you know, a little take when you lift that tray out, maybe have a bunch of have a. You know, one of those tackle box style separators below mm-hmm. it. Yeah. You know, I mean, something like that. I mean, would just be amazing. I don't know what kind of cost that would add to the game. Next time we talk to some of our friends, we should we should bug them about that kind of idea and, and see and see what they have to say about it. I could ask them this weekend. That's right. That's right. So, where <laughs> are you going this weekend? I'm going to PAX. I am leaving. I hate you. Anyway. Uh, technically, we're recording this on a Wednesday, so I leave tomorrow. Uh, by the time this is published, I'll already be on the floor. So, so by the time this uh, yeah. is published, you may or may not be slightly inebriated mm-hmm. and partying with people at PAX. Yes. Well, I'm going to be geeking out. That's that's the primary thing. So I'm going to uh, I am going to be there not as Epic Turn, but as Epic Turn. Meaning I'm not going. We're not going to bring equipment. We're not going to be able to do recordings. Uh, however, I am going to be twi- I mean, I'm going to be tweeting. I'm going to be updating our Facebook. Mm-hmm. Going to have a lot of fun. Uh, oh, I plan yeah. to. Plan to show off a lot of stuff. There will be a lot of new things there. So, yeah, mm-hmm. hopefully we'll get some, some new photos up and some new traffic. And Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, it also means if you are there, you can hit us on Twitter and we can meet up for a beer. Yay! Yay! Or a soda. Yay! And roll some dice. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, <laughs> no, uh, yeah well, the kind of thing there that you um, you, you mentioned that if you don't follow us on Twitter, you wouldn't know about us. We actually did start a Facebook page uh, just to try to get, you know, make it easier for people to tell their friends about the show. Um, we, we haven't really done a lot of show promoting on the show. You know, we asked for people to follow us on Twitter and follow, and rate us in, on iTunes. So far, no one has rated us on iTunes. I'm sad. It makes me very sad. Yeah, but that's okay. Yeah. No, we, I mean, that's just because we, it's not okay. It makes me cry at night. <laughs> No, but seriously, guys, if you are at PAX, you know, hit us up on Twitter. We can meet up for a drink or some dice or some cards or we can go play some video games. I don't care. We're going to be geeking out. So look forward to hearing from some of you, all seven of us. Everybody all that listens, every, everybody that le- listens to us is in Huntsville. <laughs> uh, anyway. No, no, that's not true. We know there's one guy out there. <laughs> anyway, no. anyway, enough anyway. enough of that joke. Um Yeah, so we've we've killed the dead horse. Not only have we killed the dead horse, we have brought him, resurrected him, used our diamond dust, and we have killed him again. Yeah. And then we killed the horse he rode in on. <laughs> yes, because the horse rode on another horse. Yep, absolutely. That's how this works. <laughs> anyway, uh anyway, so, so I, I there is a couple of small things I, I wanted to mention on Kickstarter. Um okay. one of them is about to end, so by the time this is airing you, it may be the last day still, um, but if you're into alternative forms of magic uh, systems for D20 systems, 
this is something you should check out. It's called The Spheres of Power, A New Pathfinder Magic System. And really, it's meant for any D20 uh, compatible system. But they're working off of a, a talent system. So for me, it kind of feels closer to a uh, World of Darkness style system. And it just it's not like they're replacing chunks of the existing magic, magic one, but they're just completely ripping it out and saying, all that doesn't exist. Use these to make your casters. Well, that's usually how, like, I think when, D, when D&D did Tome of Magic, they basically did the same thing. Yeah, yeah, D&D had one that was, that was you know, uh, more canon, I guess. This yeah. is done by some, you know, uh, independent uh, game designers. It's headed up by Adam Mayer. Um, you know, I think it looks really cool. I'm probably going to back it, um, but I'm waiting until tomorrow or the next day to figure it out. So far, they're, they're at uh, 26000 of a $1,500 goal. That's not bad. No, no, I mean that's that's yeah. respectable. It's only like yeah, you know, just shy two thousand percent or so. That's pretty good. Yeah, no, yeah, so seems I, good. <laughs> yeah, seems good. I think it's really cool. Um, you know, they've had a lot of backers at this point, so they're they're unfortunately not going to make their original ship date just because of the number of books they have to have printed. Right. But um, I think it's pretty neat. The stuff they're talking about being able to do is like if you want to make a you know a pyromancer, you would give him the destruction sphere with a focus on on blast shape and fire. Oh, okay. Inst- well, yeah, instead of, you know, hey, you just only learn fire spells and you don't even learn any good ones for the first six levels. Well, I guess we'll have to basically try it out once we get our hands on it. Yeah, no, I think it looks pretty cool. Um, I'm going to, I, I want to give it a shot. All right. Sounds yeah. good to me. Yeah, that was, yeah. Awkward. That was awkward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing really to say other than sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Well, we do that a lot. Uh, the other thing I, I saw. I agree. I agree. <laughs> oh. um, another thing I saw was this thing. is called Case for Humanity. And it is a wooden case for Cards Against Humanity. Speaking of trying to box that thing after you you know get it. Uh, even though I don't sleeve mine, it still can only fit in one of those giant cardboard boxes. And we know they're just going to keep putting out X-Packs. There's no reason not to, right? Well, that and it's it's also an open license. You have the thing like what was it crabs against uh, humidity? Crabs adjust humidity. Oh, sorry, crabs adjust humidity. Same thing. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have people that are gonna put out uh, third party expansions that you might want to pick up, or you know, you could take it down and print up your own cards. So yeah, yeah. I, I, so I I'm looking at this. I'm thinking about macking it. That one has some more time on it. So both of these are gonna be in the show notes. Uh, they're be- the the boxes for the case of case for humanity is just absolutely you know beautiful. You can get in a variety of different woods and finishes, and uh, I'm really th- going to be curious to see how that one turns out. But they're already twelve hundred percent to goal, so yeah, definitely uh, definitely one to watch over the next couple of weeks. And if you want to get either of these things, you should go check them out. Show notes. Which where can you find those show notes, Tim? I believe you can find that at epicturn.com forward slash episodes forward slash whatever episode we are on, which would be 10. 10. That's right. Okay. So that's all the follow-up <laughs> I have. Do you have any more follow-ups, sir? Ah, uh, let's see. Uh, I already talked about, um, you already talked about high command, yeah. about high command. Mm-hmm. The only other thing is, uh, I've been reading Numeria, but I've only gotten a little ways in. So mm-hmm. there's, I'm not ready to kind of talk about it yet. Plus, I kind of want to run a couple of one offs, but we're going to be running Shadows of Restaurant in October. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to actually getting to do a big review with you, obviously, and maybe some of the people from the table about the system and what they felt and how, you know, why. No, are are so you talking good. about Numeria or Shadows no, no, of Restaurant? Shadows of Restaurant. Okay. I, yeah. I was about to say that. You, you segued there without without much of a segue. <laughs> I segued by saying... You segued right I, off the cliff. 
Sweet. Oh, too soon? That's it right. was, yeah, it was too soon. It was Numeria, then it said, but until then, you know, I want to, you know, because of that, I'm, October we're running Numeria. Anyway. Yeah. 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 yeah no, we're running, we're running fantasy gothic horror for, for Halloween. We, we thought it sounded appropriate. It did. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in the between those two things. So I have no follow up just yet, mm-hmm. but I'm looking forward to Numeria in terms of running it. It's really, I, I love the system already. The fluff is really good. So that's all I can say about it right now. Yeah. So other than that, my follow up is, I mean, mostly I'm going to have a ton of follow up. Probably want to get back from packs. Yeah. So. No. We'll, we'll have these things will continue to grow. Uh, the only other thing for follow up I think I have is you know we started a new campaign with character creation last week, and we we're actually using some of the rules from Ultimate Campaign. Bum bum bum. Yeah. So personally, I really like them. I know you've you after rereading some of them, you took exception with one of the set of rules. Right. Yeah, but uh, I really did. I'm really enjoying the downtime system. I think it's you know we we only used about half of it so far because I for character creation I just let you guys roll some of that and we didn't uh, we didn't touch in on like some of the bad stuff that can happen as part of owning these businesses or controlling these organizations. Right. That so far I've enjoyed what we've seen, but I think I, I really can't provide a, an honest opinion to it until we've gotten a couple more games under our. Yeah, no, uh, that's that's completely fair. Uh, the, I didn't. I do think that the backgrounds, you know, trying to encourage everybody to think about these things is really going to help. Um, I can. T- I think these are some of the more fleshed out character backgrounds I've seen. Yeah, I got to admit, it, for a couple people on our table, it did help them um, mm. come up with a more rich background than they did for when we did uh, World of Darkness. So. I have yeah. to agree. It's it's a, it's a good thing. Which, by the way, if you don't know, it's a it's from it's a Pathfinder book. It came out. It's last, not it's not the current year? book, but it's the one before. I think. Yeah. So it was earlier this year. Sorry, not last year. It was earlier yeah. this year. It came out, and it's basically uh, a good supplement to the Game Master Guide because the Game Master Guide gives you a really good, rich uh, material on how to how to run a game. This mm-hmm. can't. This Ultimate Campaign is a, is very rich in how to run very long and epic campaigns. That's all I can really say right now until we get to do our review of it. Yeah, and I I did read through some of the game systems chapters as well, and there's a lot of neat stuff in there. I'm not sure how much of it we're going to pull in or not, but there's a lot of uh, neat ways of thinking about certain things. So, but so are we ready to kind of move on a little bit to our main topic? I think so. I think our, our listeners are probably like, oh, <laughs> so yes, I think we should. I mean, this. This game that we're about to talk about, this is, by the way, listeners, this is our first time doing a game review. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of these uh, like game reviews. We have a couple ideas for a versus game uh, idea that we'll you yeah. know, probably do in a couple episodes. So, mm-hmm. you know, Which we've, we've talked about some in the past. You know, the big one we keep talking about doing is Spartacus versus Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, Battlestar Galactica. So uh, I, I'm excited about it. We're kind of playing with the format of the show still, even though we have 10 episodes under our belt. You know, we don't want to get stuck doing one thing all the time and we don't want to get stuck doing things that aren't fun. Right. So come with us on this journey. Yeah. Yep. If it doesn't work out, provide us some feedback and we'll change what you guys didn't like about it. Or we'll just completely scratch the idea of doing this style of game review. And, you know, that's that. And we come up with a new one. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. What we're trying to say is we're very flexible. Oh, that's never mind. Um, <laughs> so, the, so the game review, mm-hmm. if I can get a drum roll. Uh, I don't have any sound effects. We right. need a soundboard. Not really. That'd get really yeah. annoying. <laughs> Is Gravwell. Yes. It's published by Cryptozoic. Mm-hmm. We got a copy at Gen Con, a little early copy. 
since yeah. it, uh, since it was there on the floor. Uh, actually, to to be more precise, we all demoed it and immediately bought a copy. There was not even like I think we were halfway through the demo, and Willie jumped up and bought a copy. Yeah, no, he he got straight up from the demo table, and 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 Will doesn't do this normally, but he he was very decisive about wanting that game. Um, you know, I wasn't sitting at the table at the time, and uh, I, w- I think I was off playing hex while he was while he was demoing Gravwell, and he really did just uh, sh- shoot straight up as soon as I got done and went and bought a copy. Now it's it's been all the buzz on Twitter. Um, I've seen a lot of people talking about it, and it it really was one of the surprise hits of Gen Con to me. Besides being a, a surprise hit, the story behind the game mm-hmm. is what really. I'll be honest. It, I was I was amazed, especially uh, if you listen to the Corey Jones interview. You'll actually he talks about Gravwell. Uh, but for those who haven't listened to the episode, we'll kind of give you a little a little backstory. Is you had Corey, which yes, haha, Corey Jones, but no Corey with an E, uh, showed up at Gen Con last year with a copy of the game, a prototype, and he demoed it for I believe uh, for Cryptozoic. And they immediately loved it. They said it was one of the most uh, fleshed out games they had seen. There was hardly any tweaks they had to do to it. Really, all they had to do is move it into production, along with doing art and, you know, game pieces and things like that. But pretty much it was a a really solid game back when they tried it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, they said they didn't have to change a whole lot. They helped out with refining the the specifics about it. But it wasn't a a very big, um, you know, it wasn't a very big overhaul for them. The core mechanics were already there. And I'm trying to find the link to this, but there was a text interview published that Corey was part of. And um, Corey Young is the guy's name. And he talks about how the game got designed a little bit about in his history designing these games. I'm, I'm going to try to find it for the show notes, but it was really interesting because, you know, he talks about all the failures he had and all the times he's been rejected and uh, this is, if not his first, I think it's like maybe his first or second time actually getting accepted and publishing a game. And it's by far been his biggest hit. You know, he finally struck gold on it. So it, it That's really, one way of putting it. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> it's it, definitely gold. It definitely is. And before we get talking about any kind of mechanics specifically, it's very interesting to me that the core mechanic for this game, because let's face it, there's really only one mechanic. Uh, it's, it's, a great, we'll get it, it's a great mechanic, <laughs> but there's really only one with a few slight variations depending on how it's, how, how it's activated. And, um, but that mechanic started off as a side mechanic in another game he was designing. But when he started doing playtesting with, uh, with his immediate group, everyone was more interested in it than the actual game. That's surprising. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there, he, he intended it to be kind of a... Um, a catch-up mechanic so people that were behind could get back in the lead or, you know, get back in, not maybe not the lead, but get back in a competitive position. And uh, they, you know, <laughs> doing that, he came up with a whole different game that was just that mechanic. Which is gravel. Yeah, gravel. <laughs> yeah. No, so, you know, I it, it really just kind of struck me as kind of a classic, you know, uh, entrepreneur struggle story. Where you know you try again, you try again, you try again, you keep failing, but you stick to it, and eventually something you stick, you know, something sticks. It's like the story about uh, the guy that started Macy's, I believe it was, who went bankrupt on starting how you know, countless department stores before that, and uh, you know, but eventually, obviously, one stuck, right? right. So uh, it's a it's a great story about perseverance, 
and just the tenacity it takes to eventually get it right. And it's very inspiring to me in a lot of ways, I guess. I cannot agree more. It's a, the game is itself is so good that it's one of those things where I would think he's been, you know, he's struck gold multiple times and Mm -hmm. this is just another fantastic product from him. And when, you know, when I read the interview, same thing, I was, I was, I was shocked Mm -hmm. that he had, it's taken him this long, not in the sense of, you know, I can't, you know, I can't believe he's, you know, he's failed so many times. It's just the fact that this is so well done and so polished. It it surprises me in Mm -hmm. the way of how has no one ever picked up his other games? Yeah. Well, and he's actually working on a second game, uh, Sanatory, if I, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, and it's going to be published not by Cryptozoic this time, but got picked up by a different group. I forget the name of the company. So I'm curious to see how that one plays out. You know, is it a lightning stroke strikes once, or is it going to be more of a a continued thing where this guy's going to be someone to watch? Um, I think he's going to be someone to watch. I will say he's, he's a very nice guy. I've communicated him on Twitter several times and you know he's very uh, he's very grateful and humble for his success, which is always uh, rather endearing. But I guess it's time to actually talk about the game instead of talking about the guy and the story behind it. Well, I think that's an important part of any game review and getting into getting into the designer's mind and getting an understanding how they wanted the game to play out and how they envisioned it, the mood. I think that's all that's a very uh, it gives you the overall package for the mm-hmm. game. Like if you if you just look at a game objective not objectively but if you look at it from just its mechanics, I think sometimes you lose some of the magic of the game. Like the Winter Tales, great great example. That is a game for creative people. Like it's not meant to be a power game. And yeah. if you look at it from a power game aspect, it, it it you lose some of the magic. So, I think it's very important that we talk about the designer and a little history of how the game came came to be. Yeah, yeah, no, um, it, it's definitely something to keep an eye out for. Um, I know he's been featured in a lot of places now, so all the spotlights has been on him. And I don't know. Oh, I think I finally found it. Awesome. Yeah. So I think what I the first thing I want to talk about is you know when you when you buy a board game, the one of the first things I look at is quality. Mm-hmm. I look at the quality of the product. Be it the pieces, the cards, can I sleeve it? You know, the, those are the first the first things I look at. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> of course you do. So when I got when I opened the box and I looked inside, and yes, listeners, I have seen him walk away from a game because it couldn't be sleeved. That, that's not true. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, the the board is really nice quality. Again, uh, something I expect from Cryptozoic. Mm-hmm. The board is nice quality. It the, looks fantastic. All, right, the, all the graphics assets are amazing. Oh, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. The plastic miniatures for the two neutral ships and the four players are well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, they're solid. I don't feel like I can break them, which yeah. is, again, another quality I expect from Cryptozoic. <laughs> yeah. uh, the cards are standard card size, so you could sleeve them with, uh, my preference, Dragon Shields. Mm-hmm. You could sleeve them that way. Um, so overall quality of the product, I'm going to have to give it an A. I'll give it four out of five. No. Um, (laughs) okay. We got to sign on a system. I'm just saying let's, okay, fine. We'll go with stars. I give it a five. You give it five stars. 
I give it five stars on okay. quality. Yeah, no, I'll, give, I'll, I'll, I'll give it five turkeys then. Uh, five turkeys. Yes. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. Um, no, um, I, I agree. It's it's built really well. It feels solid. And one thing I, I think that they really benefit from is because the game is so simple, it was easy to invest and keep it um, and keep it really high quality while keeping the price point down. Um, there's not a lot of pieces. There's what six ship little figurines. There's a board and there's like 26 cards. Uh, 30. No. Well, okay. If four, if you count the four player cards that are your emergency stops. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so you have to include that. Okay. So <laughs> 30 cards, six figures and a board. That's all there is. So, I mean, I can't say, you know, uh, we talked about before where how important that simplicity is to getting your non-hardcore gamers involved. Um, you know, the, this game has no pro- no trouble, at least uh, at least with the setup time and stuff like that, about getting involved with those people. So that's pretty cool. It's, it's, it's really, really, I, I don't want to say stupid simple, but it kind of is. Well, it, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's, it's really simple. Well, but because of the way the the main mechanic, which I'm just going to go and say what it is, it's movement. Um, The way the movement works, it it can make you feel like you're pretty simple and stupid sometimes. Yes, that's very true. (laughs) Yes, Uh, but you know, not in a bad way. It's not like it's insulting your mother, but uh, it's more that you 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 have to you have to look at the mechanic a little differently, and it's it's fun. But Mm -hmm. I think we should go ahead and segue into the overall how the overall game works. Right. Okay. So the premise of the game is that you are a group of ships stuck at the edge of a singularity and you're trying to escape from its gravity. Well, thus the name Gravwell. And you do this by playing cards, which represent the amount and type of thrust that you're, um, that you're playing. Now there's also this weird like time warp principle mechanic that because you're in the gravity singularity, things kind of happen in a, deterministic order, but not always the order you expect them to. So it's similar to kind of that, uh, the, the living dead card game that I was talking about on the previous show. And you, you play, you play the cards and we can talk about how you get them and everything later if we want, but well, we're going to go over that. Just yeah. continue with the mechanic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, that is relatively inconsequential because it's not the fun part. That's true. However, <laughs> it's important, but it's not the fun part. Right. Um, <laughs> So, you know, you have three different kinds of movement cards. You have I'm thrusting forward, I'm thrusting away, and I'm pulling everything towards me. The tractor beam. Yes. So the tr- the board is set on a spiral as you try to escape the gravity well. You have to go around the spiral. Um, to the warp gate. Yeah, to the warp gate. You're trying to get out of there, you know. And you, when you play a card, its actions are depicted based on what is the closest object of gravity. What that what that really means is if you're if you're ne- if you're next to somebody on the board on the track, you're going to be uh, if you're if you're thrusting towards them, you're going to you're going to go that direction, whichever direction they are. If they're behind you, you're going to shoot backwards. Right, because you're uh, thrusting around them. Right. Yep. Now, if you're going and we're pushing away, you're going to push away, which means if they're in front of you on the track, you're going to get pushed backwards again. It is possible to have all the players back in the starting area. Yes. Within two turns. <laughs> yes. You all leave and get sucked right back in. It's rather sad. Uh, also, oh, there is a time limit on the game. There's only six rounds, right? So whoever's furthest along on this track closest to the warp gate in the end of the six rounds would win. Um, 
And then the third type, the tractor beam, it it does sound does just what it sounds like. It pushes everyone to pulls everyone towards you. Um, only one person can exist on any one given space. So you you bump over people when you uh, when you bump into them, and that can have hilarity involved because it can completely change the way you thought the turn was going to work. Uh, now, if you're stuck in between two people, so there's one on either side of you, uh, you you go you you base your movement on the direction of the majority of the other ships. So if there's three ships on one side and four ships on the other, you uh, go to the four. Yeah. The only thing I didn't think to ask was what happened if there's only six ships on the board, or what if there's an odd number of ships on the board and they're and you're literally split even. Well, that's because well, there's always the two neutral ships. Right. Right. So, but what if there's three players? Oh, I did not think of that. We'll have to test this theory. I did not think of that. You know, I will tweet to Corey and see if he's online. (laughs) Well, we can ask that later. So if I go and dig in the rule book, I might find it too. Yes. So, uh, so how the mechanics or not the mechanics are, we've gone over the movement mechanics. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go over now the, how you play. Yeah. Well, no, but before we get to that, you need to go over like the time, the timeline of these, the way these uh, play out. Yeah. So I was going to go over. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's your (laughs) <laughs> so there are every, there's you draft cards so uh not nah, oh, well, well, worry draft, about that worry about that part later go into the part where it, you you play how the turn resolves I, I was gonna okay you're gonna have to put a marker to stop this so i can say it again so ah, there is a there is a deck of cards i, I guess that markers one, do nothing here yeah uh there's a deck of cards and each each card is a different element mm-hmm the elements are in alphabetical order from A to Z. Yeah. So some some of them are made up. Some of them are made up. So <laughs> when you when you complete the draft, which I'm going to go over real quick, uh, when you start it up, you put all the cards together. Uh, in a four player game, there's two that will be unused, and you shuffle them up and you lay one face down, one on top, one face down, one on top, and based on the number of players, depends on how many you dish out. And every player has a turn picking cards in the uh in the order of where you're at the singular uh from last player to first i believe yeah yeah because yeah. if the first round it's random it's first round's random but after that's the last place of first place right so it gives so, the it gives the person in the back place a chance to catch up all the more by getting you know best pick right so you draft all the cards mm-hmm. so after you have all those cards uh every player picks one card and they lay it face down and then when everybody's ready to go you turn it face up then the cards fire in alphabetical order. So if you have, uh, if I'm going to, I'm going to try to remember there's Krypton, Oxygen. Well, just, just use the letters, man. We're, we're going to get this wrong. <laughs> so with every, so you go in order and that's how the cards fire. Mm-hmm. Now what Brian was explaining with the movement mechanic, which can be hilarious is if, you know, uh, you want to, you want to worry about, you know, where, you, what cards you pick, in the sense of if you've picked, you, if you know you're in last place and you know everybody's shooting in front of you, you might want to pick a low card like Z that has a 10, sorry, that has an eight bump. So you know you're going to propel yourself eight. The problem mm-hmm. is, is what he was saying when you get a couple ships together, is that might that might screw up the whole order of what you're doing and suddenly you might be shot backwards. So it's it's a very interesting game because there's sometimes where you think you're making the right move and it could put you back in last place. However, in this game, it's very easy to catch up as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's a constant battle back and forth as you get through, uh, as you, you know, leave the singularity. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's the, 
the core the core mechanics is the movement and then the drafting of cards. Yeah. So I guess technically there are well two, two mechanics then. Okay. Oh yeah. And then, oh, well, oh, there's there, a third little gotcha here because if you're if you're about to end up back in the black hole, you can. You, what can you do, Tim? You can press the emergency stop break. The emergency break button. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. And you can do that once per round. Unless you're playing expert mode, and then it's once per game. Yes, I, I, that sounds awesome and and bad. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I want to play expert mode once. Uh, no, yeah, it's one of those things. It's like Long Spartacus. You got to do it at least once. And who knows? You might like it. I liked Long Spartacus. It was fun. But no, this is about Gravel, Brian, not Spartacus. I know, I know. But yeah, <laughs> so I think one of the great things about this game is that it's just inherently a lot of fun to watch the turns unfold. Um. You know, we when we played, we were all kind of like leaning over the table or even standing up sometimes as we watched these movement patterns play out. Because all of a sudden, what thought was about to get you to win ends up shooting you eight spots back. And you're like, no, but, you know, you still have a lot of fun and everyone's laughing and yelling and it's very boisterous. And it's it's just it's it's great. It's, um, de- it's definitely a very fun filled game. Mm-hmm, and know. it's also it's also a indirect screw your neighbor game because you might like you'll play a card and you'll do it because it will benefit you know you obviously you want to benefit yourself unless you're playing tractor beam and then you're just you know honestly you're you're screwing over your neighbors um but most time you'll play a card thing it benefits you and then it will indirectly screw your neighbor Mm -hmm. you'll be like i i didn't know that was going to happen yeah i really didn't know and that's that's one of the mechanics the movement mechanics i really love Mm -hmm. is that it you you don't know what's going to happen. Like well, you, but you, but you can kind of guess. You can kind of guess. Like I, I saw Craig do this in one game, where he played a one or two movement to intentionally put himself behind everybody else, mm-hmm. because he he could do that because it was like an A or a B, right? And that allowed him to intentionally put himself behind, and that changed everybody's play that round. And he did it intentionally. So okay. it was well, you know. So if you're if you're if you're thinking about it in the right way and you have the right cards, you can definitely screw your neighbor. And it, it was still a great round, but it was I think there was like two emergency breaks burned that round, you know, and it was it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, but it was definitely it was definitely a very intentional on his part. Okay, fair enough. Okay, so you like I said, you can do some screw your neighbor just like yeah. out the gate. You can oh, yeah. do it. You can do it intentionally. Not saying I think it probably happens more often unintentionally. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's what I was trying to get. There's a lot of times where, like the game, I the game I was playing is I I knew I was going to play a tractor beam because mm-hmm. it was the only way to keep first and second close to me, so that we all were you know fighting it out for getting to the uh, the warp gate. Mm-hmm. And I played it, and it actually pulled fourth place close to me, and then just it just happened that he had actually played a 10 card that round trying to shoot past us yeah. so he could repel for the win. And it actually caused him to win. And I was like, yeah, I just screwed myself. <laughs> <laughs> Not like yeah. I screw my neighbors. I screwed myself and King make the guy next to me. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, that's not, uh, no, no, <laughs> but we all had a lot of fun. You know, there was a lot of, you know, jeering the whole time and, like I said, it was a great game. Uh, so for in terms of mechanics, I give it a four because it takes just for just it, because of the learning curve on some of it, because it does throw you for a loop. 
Yeah, well, and I, I think it's kind of interesting to watch, too, the way that different types of players and different individuals react to it. Uh, we had one guy who seemed to be amazed that anybody else was having any issues understanding the logic. Um, and, and admittedly, it is a very much a engineerish type system uh, as far as how the rules apply. Uh, they, it's been very popular uh, on in the reviews and everything, especially with the engineering scientific type crowd. But I don't think it's by any means inaccessible if you're not one of those. I don't think it is. I think it just the there. I'm not. I shouldn't say the learning curve is really high. I just for. I think it's you can you can difficult. sit there and have to second guess yourself. It's like, is this right. what's supposed to happen? And I could definitely see people not maintaining game state and getting confused and having stuff happen the wrong way. E- even Will, who was teaching me how to play, made several missteps. I'm like, is it shouldn't it go that way? He's like, oh, you're right. You know. So it was still <laughs> it was still though just a. Incredible game. So while I can, I can see where you're coming from on the four, uh, you know, which I didn't even know we were rating these things on uh, uh, mechanics. We're, we're trying. We're trying. Yeah. Okay. Try something yeah. <laughs> so I'll give it I'll give it like four and a half wombats. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I uh, hey, wombats are great. Um, I, I, I think it's just a straight out, you know, you know, five chinchulas on fun. I, I will have to concur. I will give it five. Hmm. So if we're going with animals, hmm. I don't know. <laughs> You're just copying me now. Oh, that's true. Okay, <laughs> fine. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, I would give it five dice. Five dice for fun. fun. There you go. Five dice for fun. Uh, hopefully, no one I, else with dice theme naming will do that. Um, hopefully not. But I, I definitely give it five dice for fun. It was di- for Saturday night board gaming night with uh, you know Epic Turns mm-hmm. board gaming night. It was absolutely amazing, and it's a quick I, play. Yeah, it was. We played two games while uh, Craig and you were wrapping up uh, uh, Spirium. Yeah. Oh my god, dude, that's such an awesome game. Yes. Well, I'm I'm excited to try it. But um, mm-hmm. so we were able to play two full games by the time you guys finished Spirium, mm-hmm. and that's awesome. Yeah. Well, and, and we only spent about forty minutes total in Spirium, and you guys mm-hmm. played two games in the time we wrapped up the second half of that game. So I, I think it might be almost the replacement for Suro. But Suro is also, you know, Suro seats more people and that's the advantage for it. But I think as far as a fun experience for me and one, I feel like I have a little bit more control over what's actually about to happen. Mm -hmm. It'll be grab well every time. Right. Uh, But what my my reason for this analogy is to say it's definitely one of those we can drop. We can we can we can play it Mm -hmm. and we're done. Like we can if we need something to segue while we're setting up another board game. It's or a, we have it's for just that. time for one quick one before we go right. kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. It's, you know, it's it's a quick, fun game and you can just you, you can teach it really easy because it's there's so few mechanics. And as, as long as you have one guy who can resolve game state effectively at the table, there's there's no issue as far as any of that stuff, I don't think. I have to agree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's anything so, else we can really say about it that hasn't been said. And, I, you know, we that, could. That's, that's why I want to. Uh, I was going to say, that's what I love about this game, though, mm-hmm. is it's so good. And then you look at it and you're like, this is so simple. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. Yeah. And I can see why Cryptozoic, after just getting a demo, was like, yes, yes, we need this game. Yeah. It, I, I will say it, it was probably. It was probably one of the one of the better Gen Con purchases for for Epic Turn, mm-hmm. and it's it was inexpensive. I think it was like thirty thirty five bucks. I don't remember exactly. It was I believe it was thirty five. Yeah, so it was uh it was a great pickup. Um, 
Uh, no regrets on that one at all. No, I have to agree with you. I think it was mm-hmm. amazing. So overall, so if I were to take all the categories and put it together. Yeah, do we even remember what we said? I, I do. Uh, mm-hmm. However, <laughs> I'm going to have to give it the, uh, I'm going to have to give it a 4.5. Uh, 4.5 demons because that's very dark no because it's it's, it, it's addicting it calls me it's a little demon on my shoulder going you want to play more gravwell but i need to go to bed you need to play more gravwell so mm, yeah lately that's been never mind um, <laughs> but no i mean that's uh, i i give it 4.5 and the only reason being is that i could see some people getting frustrated over it looking yeah. at it from you know, I could see that because I, I will admit the the first the first time I played, I was like, I, I don't. Oh, OK. I got to watch you. I got to watch a little bit. And it, it was uh, it was entertaining. Yeah, nice. Thank you. It took two <laughs> turns before I was like, OK, now I grasp everything I'm seeing. I'm good to go. What I'm still not beam? sure about that one. It's like, yeah. what does Tractor Beam do again? Oh, right. Pull. Gotcha. Never yeah. mind. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but no. still, you know, it's a game we only had to play once or twice before we felt comfortable sitting down. I, I think I could crack it any time at this point and not really have to even think about how to play. No, I I got it down now, too. Mm-hmm. And and that's the sign of a good game. It's not one of those things where you have to play 10 times in order to understand the nuances of the rules. Or play 10 times to say it's enjoyable. Yeah. So yeah. I, I call it I call it a definite win. Yes, it's definitely on Epic Turns' recommended board game list. Yes, I, which we don't actually have one of those, but we do We're now. We're going to create one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know what I'm doing. To, I know what I'm doing tomorrow on the plane. <laughs> Sleeping? No, putting together going putting together a page for our recommended game list. Oh, yes. Oh, I know what I'm doing tomorrow too. It's not nearly so much fun. <laughs> You're working. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have I mentioned anyway. I hate you lately? Uh. Yes. Yes. Have I told you lately that I hate you? Anyway. Yeah. No, so okay. Corey, I'm, I'm going to have to really have to edit that out. Yeah. Sorry. Know, right. uh, uh, Corey Young, uh, if you're listening to this, I hope you are. Thanks again for such a wonderful game. Cryptozoic. Awesome of you guys to pick it up. Mm-hmm. Listeners, go buy this board game. As soon as it's out, go buy this board game. You will absolutely. not be disappointed. It is absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're just we're we're going in circles because it's that good. We're yeah, we're, we're in geeking the out on it a little bit. We're geeking out a little bit. What's that about we're in the singularity. We don't realize we're saying it so many times. Well, then we need to start talking like slow motion. It's like <laughs> I'm not going to try that. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, other than that, I think that's our first review. I think it went. I think it's okay. I like the format. Um, mm, I don't I know. Don't, it felt a little forced to me, but you know, I, but you know, definitely, I think I would give it like you know. Four, four and a half sphinxes or something like that. You know? <laughs> uh, so. well, I think that, I think your average is about right. Two fives and a four and a five, 4.5. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Somewhere in there. Somewhere um, in there. yeah, I would love to actually, uh, have Corey on, on a future episode so we could talk to him about his experiences, especially once, you know, the success has had a little chance to go to his head and, um, <laughs> you know, that way we can, we can really, you know, tear him down a little bit. Corey, we're not going to do that. Nah, nah, don't, nah. Don't listen to Brian. If anything, <laughs> we're going to fanboy on you for a little bit. Yeah, fan that ego. Yeah, no, no, just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, yeah, I think that about sums it up about Gravwell. Um, oh, there was one other bit of follow up that we completely skipped out on. We we skipped out on something. Yes, we skipped out on something, and it's important. Okay, I'm all ears. Okay, fan of the show, our friend of the show. Eloy LaSanta from Third Eye Games. Oh, this follow-up. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Eloy is about to start up the part-time God's Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah. He's he's 
he's teasing it out now. And the main thing that he's that the Kickstarter is going to be about is the first expansion book called Divine Instruments. So excited. Yeah. And it's all about, you know, as a god, you know, what kind of puppet strings can you pull? I mean, the artwork on that for the cover is actually really cool. I don't think the Kickstarter is live yet. Uh, oh, September yeah. 3rd. September 3rd. That's right. Yeah. So uh, shortly after this episode airs, it should be live. Um, I think it's really exciting. He posted a follow-up uh, preview today where he talks about, you know, if stretch goals are hit, additional source books he, he's going to put out as part of this. No, he has the material. Yeah. You know. a, I, I talked to him at Gen Con. That material's mm-hmm. all there and ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. So there's uh, Minions of the Source, you know. So that's kind of interesting. The Book of Theologies and Between Worlds. So everything here from, you know, uh, the source of divine power and, you know, their minions and the the planner travel and in between. I'm like, do you want to go into Asgard and, you know, make some stuff up? So, you know, it's uh, it's very, very kind of interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I can't wait to see what he if he teases. He apparently has. More stuff planned to tease, but again, we're recording on Wednesday, so only the first two previews are out. Um, so, Eloy, if you do hear this, which I doubt you will because you're so busy, uh, we're looking forward to it, and we hope more people check you out. Yes, we will be definitely putting up some tweets and some promo for the Part-Time Gods Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, another thing I wanted to bring up is... Some future, some future stuff coming to Epic Turn. Uh, Brian and I have been talking back and forth about these ideas. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to do some RPG uh, episodes coming up soon, probably next week or so. Yeah, yeah. Sometime in the next week or two, we're going to really sit down. We, we have a whole slew of ideas for RPG topics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're going to finally dissect the first one uh, next week. We're talking about maybe, what, what we're saying, magic systems? I think we're going to go with the magic systems talking about yeah. um, like low, you know, low level magic games, mid level magic games, high magic. I think the first one we're going to do is we're going to do low magic. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about systems we love that use it. Maybe, well, not maybe we're going to talk about, you know, some examples in literature that really, you know, highlight the low magic, mm-hmm. uh, the pros, the cons. Again, this is something that we feel, you know, is going to be really beneficial. I know as a, as a game master, I enjoy hearing these things. Uh, I, mm-hmm. you know, I, Anytime I can get some new tips and tricks for the trade, I always love hearing it. Yeah, uh, and I think it's going to be interesting because me and Tim have very different views on some of this stuff. So while we can, while we see eye to eye in a lot of places, I think D&D campaign styles is going to be one where we differ more. Polar opposites would be a good a good phrase to use in this I case. I don't know if polar opposites <laughs> is fair. But you know, um, yeah. we're gonna we're also gonna be mixing this in with our normal epic turn stuff. Uh, again, guys, we're gonna be trying out a lot of new stuff. Mm-hmm. That's why we're we're really asking for feedback and uh, comments so that we know what's good, what's not good. Yep. It helps us. It helps you because really, we do this to give back to the hobby industry. We do this because we want this you know this good content out there. So please, again, bear with us while we try some new things. Mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to it. So yeah, me too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But after that that preview we just did about the uh, the magic systems, I don't know if we actually need to do the episode anymore. That might be enough. That is not enough, Brian. How dare you? You sure? <laughs> I mean, I, I can I can skip out on the whole low magic thing. It's no big deal. Oh no, Brian. I can just let you talk for an hour. <laughs> Tonight on Epic Turn After Dark. 
Yeah. I'm going to talk about low magic systems and how much I hate them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back to Tim's game, the no magic universe. Because <laughs> if there's any magic, it's not a game for me. Yeah, no, no. I don't think you're that bad. <laughs> no, no, it's actually, you know. Yeah, well, we can save that for next time. Yes. Um, you know, other things, uh, we're going to continue to add more stuff, I think, to the site. We're coming up. Uh, we we start off posting the True Dungeon 2013 gallery. Um, I, I want to go back and post a, a complete gallery of all the rest of the images we got from Gen Con. We're going to probably do one for PAX 2013 that uh, of all the stuff Tim's going to take next week. Um, and, you know, we'll try to figure out what else we can do with the site. Um, that, that would be fun and, and kind of entertaining. If you, uh, if you remember the URL, please remember the URL. It's really easy. Epicturn.com. Just, just, just go there. It's, it's not hard. No, yeah. um, uh, it, also, also we're going to be posting up photos of Gravwell so you guys can see, you know, mm-hmm. uh, what the box looks like and what, um, what the pieces look like. We're going to try to get that up soon. And that way you guys, you know, so when we do talk about games where you can actually see what we're referring to. Yeah, yeah. Don't expect us ever to venture into video, at least not any time in the, the near or quasi-near future. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't want to. You wouldn't want that. You know. It, we we don't belong on video. We have, we have a face for radio. Yes, we do. Yes, we have, yeah. We have. We definitely have the faces for radio. Yeah. Um, other than that, um, you know, I, I know we've talked a little bit about some other stuff, but I don't know if we're ready to uh, talk about any of it on the air yet. No, those are special upcoming projects. Yes. So we're we're gonna we're gonna hold off on that. But for now, uh I guess it's time to wrap it up. I think it's wrap up time. How long have we been here? Uh doesn't really feel like it's been that long with it. You never know. We've been here for two days, Brian. Two days. Yes? No. That's that star has never moved. Oh sorry, I was thinking about Gravwell. My bad. Uh I have no idea what you're talking about anymore. I think you're going to be a little demented. This this may be true. Yeah, well, this you may know, be true. Got to have a hobby. <laughs> well, guys, thanks for joining us for another episode of Epic Turn. You can find our show notes at epicturn.com forward slash episodes forward slash 10. You can follow us up on Twitter at Epic Turn. And the host can be found at Kelton, which is Brian, and at Telshin, which is, well, me. Mm-hmm. If you like the show, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Also, Come check out the site. There's a feedback link. Please hit us back with some feedbacks. We love reading it. We also love reading the comments on the episodes. And we will see you next week for another epic turn. We can talk about tea for 20 minutes. I don't want to talk about tea for 20 minutes. I will punch you if we have to talk about tea for 20 minutes. Well, you're going out of town, so I gotta. I can hope you forget after all the drinking. Oh no! <laughs> Trust me, I'll listen to the episode while drunk. It's okay. Yeah. Ah, you no. son of a bitch! See, Tim, that was all in your head. We didn't actually talk about tea for twenty minutes. You dreamed the whole thing. I did. <laughs>